0: Pensacola area. But we have enjoyed our time, and I'm impressed with what God is doing in this place. And I know again that the Lord's going to continue to work in your lives. The book of Daniel chapter 3, I want to bring your attention, if you would, to verse number 13. In verse number 13, the Bible records for us these words, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king." Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them in verse 14, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? In verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Father, this evening we're so grateful once more to be in this place. I thank you for the, the blessing that's been ours in these last few days. But now tonight, God, again, we need your help. And I pray you'd fill us with your spirit. God, I know tonight that uh, many in this congregation right now need something from you. And I pray you'd help this evening that the word of God would go forth with power. And may you use it tonight to accomplish in our lives. God, what only you can. Thank you for your love and grace. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. There are different ways that we could look at this passage of Scripture and still be true to the text. Uh, we, First of all, tonight, we could talk about this man Nebuchadnezzar and what God was doing in his life. It's interesting that, uh, that God had begun to, to develop some things in this man's life. Uh, back in chapter number 2, you remember there was that image. He saw, had that great dream, and, and uh, D- uh, Daniel was able to interpret the dream. And he, he told him that the, the image was the time of the Gentiles, and, and that the head of gold, well, Nebuchadnezzar, that's you. Well, again, Nebuchadnezzar is in the middle of a progressive move towards God. Can I just say this to you tonight? I truly believe that before it was all said and done that Nebuchadnezzar became a true believer. But not yet. Right now his life's a train wreck. And so when he hears about this head of gold on this great image, he couldn't think of anything better than to raise up an image that everybody should bow down. If I'm the head of gold, let's make a whole image out of gold. And everybody bow down and worship me. We could talk about that this evening we could still stay true to the text and talk about the fourth man in the fire. We didn't read those verses tonight, but you're probably familiar with that verse. I I told some people the other day that uh, any preacher that's worth his salt at one time or another has preached a message on the fourth man in the fire. As a matter of fact, several years ago, we were at youth camp. This is way back when I was in Kentucky. We were at youth camp. And and at youth camp, uh, a preacher by the name of Dick Henson, a good friend of mine, uh, got up to preach, and he got all carried away preaching on uh, the, the three Hebrew children and somehow or other, in the course of his preaching, he got Daniel in there with him. Now, I don't know how he accomplished that, but somehow or another, in the course of doing it, he got Daniel in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so he's counting off how many are in the fire. You know, he's talking about the fourth man in the fire. He starts counting them off. There was one, two, three, four. And all of a sudden, he just stopped like he had this revelation from God that nobody had ever seen. He said, there was five men in that fire. Uh, well, no, there wasn't. But uh, be that as it may, be that as it may, Uh, we could talk about the fourth man in the fire this evening. And again, that would be a message that could be an encouragement to us. But what I want to focus our attention upon tonight is the character of these three young men and the testimony that they gave in the face of what they were dealing with. I want you to notice some simple things tonight from this portion of Scripture that maybe God can use to encourage us. Would you notice, first of all, in verse 16 and verse number 17, what the Bible shows us about the difficulty, the difficulty. In verse number 16, first of all, we see their careful reply. The Bible says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, please understand something. These boys were not shooting from the hip here. This was not just some, something they said, oh, I got all braggadocious and said. You ever get carried away with yourself and say something that you immediately regretted? Made some kind of a threat? If you don't stop doing that, I'm going to. And then as soon as you said it, you wish you'd never said it. Or, or maybe uh, you've run into somebody that's give you a hard time, and you challenged them in some way, and you thought, Boy, that wasn't smart. I wish I had not done that. Well, these boys did not. They had thought this thing through. They were not careful to answer him. They had considered all the circumstances that were involved. They had considered everything that was, could potentially happen. And when they made their reply, they knew exactly what they were saying. Notice not only the careful reply. I want you to look with me in verse number 17 at the difficult truth. Now watch this closely. The difficult truth. In verse number 17, they said, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. Now look again at that statement. Our God whom we serve is able. There was no question about His ability. If He could speak the worlds into being. If he could create man from the dust of the earth, if he could part the Red Sea and cause the sun to stand still in the sky, if he could give to man the ability to know and interpret the dreams of others, he could do anything. He had all power. But you have to understand that's the difficulty. The difficulty is our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. You see, he could deliver. He could deliver. You know, we have a tendency to show sympathy to someone that wants to help in the hour of trial, but is just not able to do so. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, There's a house that's on fire. And someone comes along and sees that house on fire, and they know there's someone inside of it. And they, they do everything they can to try to get in there and rescue the people, but they just can't get in. The fire the, the, is it too intense. The, the heat is too great. And, and they can't get there, and they, they try, and they even get burned their own cells, but they just can't do it. We honor that person. We call them a hero because they, they tried. But on the other hand, if there's someone that comes by before that fire gets that intense... Maybe there's someone that comes by when they see the fire has just started, but they, for whatever reason, choose not to try to help the people inside. For whatever reason, they don't act. For whatever reason, they don't do anything to try to rescue those people. We disdain those people, don't we? We honor those who help in the time of need, in the difficult hour, but we we show a disdain to those who we believe could help, but they chose not to. Now listen, the fact that God could deliver but might not, is sometimes hard for us to accept. The fact that God could deliver, but that he might not, is many times hard for us to accept. So that brings us to the second thought I want to give you, not only the difficulty. We saw under the difficulty that careful reply, and we saw the difficult truth. But I want you to notice, second of all, the statement. Now listen closely the statement that you and I must finish in our own lives. Look at verse number 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, But if not, our God is able, He can deliver us, we know that, but if not. Let me ask you something tonight. How would you finish that phrase, but if not? God is able to meet my. need. God is able to do for me. God is able to raise up my loved one that's sick. God, God is able to, to to take care of all of our tr- our problems and our trials. God is able. But if not, well, I'm afraid someone answered by saying, "Well, I'll never trust God again. I, I I'll hate God from now to the day I die. I, I'll i, I, I no, I I know that that God doesn't really care." I know that God's not really God, that that He's not really there. Unfortunately, sometimes that's the reply that we make. You know, it's interesting to me that these three young men, now listen, these three young men, when they were confronted with this situation, did you notice that there is no record that they even prayed and said, God, please deliver us? They said, we know our God is able, but if not, And there's no record that they cried out and said, oh, God, please deliver us from this thing. They simply trusted that God would do what is right. Now, listen to me. In order for that to be true in our lives, in order for that to be true in my life, for me to be able to save, but if not, when a difficulty comes into my life, when a trial comes into my life, and and I'm faced with some situation, I know what I want God to do, and I know what I want done, and I say, oh, God, please, 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 Lord, do this. But if not, in order for me to be able to answer like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego answered, there's some things that have to be true. I think, first of all, you would agree with me that in order for that to be true, we have to recognize that God's way is the best way and the blessed way. Back in chapter number one, it all began there. You remember the story of how these... Boys were brought into captivity. And you remember how they were confronted with eating the king's meat. And Daniel said, no, I, I, I purpose in my heart that I can't do that. Please understand this. What they did to some seemed like foolish and maybe unnecessary. I'm sure there were some who even criticized them and said, what's wrong with you guys? Why don't you just eat it? Just, just don't make a big deal out of this. Just go ahead and eat the meat and, and take the wine. And, and let's not make it. Let's just, just you know, just keep things calm. down. Just go ahead and do it. Daniel and those other three said, no, we we can't do this. It wouldn't honor God. And you realize that they made the choice right there to stand for what they believed in. And that set the stage for the choice they were going to make in chapter number three. They believed that God's way was the best way, even if the results were different. Now again, back in chapter 1, they made their stand and God honored them. You remember the story how that, that they, when they ate the pulse and so forth, that they, they were fairer than anyone else and they were honored, they were lifted up. And things worked out well for them. But they knew that wasn't always going to be the way it went. So when they came in chapter number 3 and they were confronted again with having to make a stand for what they believed was the right thing to do, when they made their stand, they said, our God is able, but if not, He may not choose to do so this time. He may not choose to deliver us this time. Choices like this are not spur of the moment choices. They had proven God before. And they knew that God would be true, regardless of what He did. They knew that God would do what was right. They knew that God would do what was best. That God would do what was the greatest blessing in their life. So in order for us to make an answer like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego made when they said, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we'll not serve your gods. In order to make that kind of statement, we have to first of all believe that God's way is the best way and the blessed way. Here's the second thing. We also have to believe that God's always in control. He's always in control. Now you come into chapter number 2. And these young men were there when Daniel got the message that all the wise men were going to be slain because they couldn't interpret the king's dream. And they were there when Daniel asked the, 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 the uh, Arioch that had come, said, give, give us a little time and, and see if, if God won't give us the answer. They were there. And they were there, evidently, when Daniel got the answer from God as to what the dream of Nebuchadnezzar was. And they understood about that image, and they understood about the plan of God, and they understood that what God was doing in their lives. And I'm simply saying this to you. They saw beyond the end of their nose. They saw beyond just what was happening right in front of them. And they understood that God is always in control. They looked beyond the immediate. And they saw the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And they knew that God was going to break in pieces this old world and break in pieces all the human government that ever stood. And God was going to establish His kingdom. They knew there was something beyond what was right before them. They were like Abraham. The Bible said to Abraham, look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And folks, if you and I are going to make a statement like they made, if in the midst of trial, in the midst of heartache and heartbreak, in the midst of difficulty that comes into our life, if we're going to stand up and say, listen, my God is able to deliver me from this. But if not, if not, be it known unto thee, I'll not serve your gods. I'll, I'll not question God. I'll not turn against God. I'm not going to do it. And here's why I'm not going to do it because I know that this world is not all there is. Amen. I know there's something beyond this. And I know that God is under control. Here's the third thing has to be true. Number three, they also had to believe that God's goodness, now listen, that God's goodness is draped in the mystery of his omniscience. You want me to say that again? God's goodness is draped in the mystery of His omniscience. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8, the Bible says, God speaking said, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows all things as they really are, not as they appear to you and I. Some years ago I saw a quote, and I I wrote it down, not in this Bible, but in another Bible I was using at that time. It simply said this, God nothing does or allows to be done, that we would not do ourselves if we saw things as God sees them. You know, it's interesting to me, in the flight from Houston to Austin, very short flight, many of you made that flight, I'm sure, just barely get in until you get down, but they don't want really to ever get high enough to where you can't see the ground, and to me, that's an amazing thing. We flew across the getting evening, uh, when I came in on, on Saturday, uh, this last week, and and all the time I was sitting by the window, and I was able to look out and see the ground. And I thought, even from like 16,000 feet up or whatever, what an amazing view. And to see things in such a different way than when you're right down there in the middle of it. But do you understand that our God is greater than all? And God doesn't see what's right in front of us only. God sees the whole picture. And even when it comes to our own lives, all we see is the immediate. What's taking place in my life at this very moment? Oh, he sees that, and he knows, and he cares. But he sees far beyond that as well. I have a nephew right now. He's the son of my youngest sister. My youngest sister in the year 2000 died with cancer. A year and a half later, her husband died. My brother-in-law, who was like a brother to me, he also died of cancer. My nephew, who's now in his mid-50s, is right now battling cancer in his leg. And there's a possibility he may have to amputate the leg, and even that may not be sufficient to to stop the, the spread of it. And I've talked with him many times. We've prayed together. He's a good Christian young man. We've prayed together many times. And I told him the last time I talked with him, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking the question why. I don't think God is offended when you and I ask why. But the problem is that sometimes you and I look for the answer to that question in the wrong place. We look for the answer to the question why back there? What did I do? What should I what should I have done? What why is it? Why? Why is this happening to me? When you look for the answer to the question, why, you don't look back there, you look out there. And you say, Lord, why have you allowed this into my life? And what are you preparing me for? What are you opening the door for? What are you making it possible for me to do in the future? That's going to come about as a result of my being willing to surrender myself to you at this time. That I'm being willing to to say, but if not, whatever God does, that's going to be the right thing. However God works this out, that's going to be right. And I'm going to trust Him. We look for the answer to why in the future. God's goodness is draped in the mystery of His omniscience. But here's a good thing. Now listen close. This is a good thing. God sees beyond the immediate. But he does not ask us to be able to see it as well. You want me to say that again? God looks beyond the immediate. He sees the future. But he doesn't ask me to be able to see the future. You know what he asked me to do? Trust him. Trust him. No, I can't see the the future. I don't know why God is doing this. I don't know why this is happening, but that's okay. Because I trust the one who does. I'm saying to you again, God's goodness is draped in the mystery of his omniscience. And then I give you one other thing to think about, and that is we can only say what they said when we realize that our true reward is received when we get home. They told the king, King, our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. What they were basically saying was, one way or the other, we're getting out of this. Because either we're going to get out of the fire, or if you put us in the fire and we die, we're going home to be with our, with our Savior, with our, our God. And so one way, that you don't have any power over us. You can't take away from us what God has given to us. And you and I this evening need to understand that our true reward will come when we step into His presence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 16 and verse 18, there are some verses that have been very precious to me in my life. The Bible says, for which cause we faint not, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now notice the way he said that. He referred to it as our light affliction. And he said it's but for a moment. Here's how he replied uh, on the other side. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When he talked about what was going on right now, he called it our light affliction. He said it's but for a moment. But it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm simply saying to you tonight, we can only make the reply that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made in this situation when we understand that our reward is going to be received when we get home. Sometimes we're looking for, for, our, uh, for, for what God's going to do in our life, and we're looking for it right now. I'm sure you've heard the, the story. It's been told for years and years and years. It, it's, it's like a lot of stories that we have used for illustrations. I don't know if it's absolutely true or not. It may not be. I've never been able to verify it. And in today's society, you've got to be careful when you tell something because everybody's fact-checking you to find out if it's really the truth or not. But the story was concerning an old missionary that was coming home from Africa. He was coming back in the days of the steamers when they came on ships and they did not fly as they do today. And as he was making his way back home, he had been on the field for years and had lost his family there. His wife and his children had been buried on the mission field and his health had been ruined. And now he was coming back to the States. And he was wondering as he approached up to the place where the boat was going to dock, he was wondering, I wonder if anybody cares. I wonder if there'll be anybody there to greet me. And he said as he got closer and closer and closer to the shore, he heard bands playing. And he saw hundreds and hundreds of people lining the shore. And they were all shouting and and celebrating and, and big signs that said, Welcome home! And he got so excited, thinking they didn't forget. They remembered. They know the sacrifice I've made. And he rushed to the edge of it. And as he began to look, he realized all of a sudden... That amongst the crowd, there were signs that said, Welcome home, President Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt was on that same ship. And he was coming back from Africa, where he had been on a hunting expedition. And the people were there to welcome him. And that old missionary stood on the deck of that ship and watched as the president and his entourage went down. And the people celebrated. And as he left, they left. Until finally, there was nobody standing on the shore. And the old man walked down the plank to leave that boat. And as he walked down the plank, his testimony was, I felt sorry for myself. I thought, Lord, I've been on the field. I've given my life. I've given my family. I've given everything. And there's nobody here to welcome me home. And he said it was as if a voice spoke in his ear. It said, son, you're not home yet. And can I say that for all of us this evening? Sometimes we begin to wonder about why this world doesn't have the things for us, the joy for us that we... But understand, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. But one day, we will be. Now, let me give you one final thought, and I'll be finished tonight. I know that some of you are sitting there saying right now, well, sure, it's all right to talk about the fact of, if not, because he did. (laughs) I mean, He did. He he delivered them. They they didn't burn. They they passed through the fire. They came out on the other side. And I realize that's true. But what about others? What about Stephen that was stoned while many watched? What about the Apostle Paul who ultimately lost his head to those that hated him? What about all the martyr's blood that has been spilled down through the ages of those that have stood for the truths of God's Word? What about them? Where was God then? And even more so, less dramatic, I suppose. What about that loved one of ours who died of natural causes that we beg God to spare? I can remember standing by the bedside of my, my youngest sister. Like I said, she was she was the second or youngest. I'm the youngest in the family. She was about six years older than I am. She was always my mentor when I was a kid. When I was dating my wife, she was the one that gave me instructions. That's why I ended up with the wife I've got. Uh, not because of my good looks or charm. It's because my sister taught me how to treat a lady. And she was always the one that I looked to. And I remember standing by her bed and begging God to spare her life. But he didn't. At 55 years of age, she left this world. What about that heartache that enters our lives or someone else's when our estimation is they don't deserve that? How many times have we we looked at someone going through a hardship or a a heartache and, and we said, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve to go through that. How about those times that we know that God is able, but He doesn't do what we've asked Him to do? How are you going to fill in the blank in your life? But if not. I want to remind you about something I said Sunday morning. True faith is not a bargaining faith. Remember, we talked about the devil. We talked about the temptation. And I remind you that sometimes we have a tendency to say, Lord, if you will, I will. Lord, if you'll just do this for me, then I'll do this. But please understand, that's the way the devil approached it. It was the devil who said, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. But please remember that true faith says God is able. But if not, then that doesn't change anything. Remember that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not a blind leap into the darkness, but it's simply acting on the substance and the evidence of the word of God. And that's why they could say, our God, whom we serve, is able. But if not, be it known unto thee, King, we'll not serve your gods. We'll not serve your gods. We'll do what we know is the right thing to do. They trusted God. Now listen. They trusted God to make the choice. That's the kind of faith that God calls upon you and I to have in our lives. To trust God to make the choice. In those situations where we have no control, in those situations that are out of our hands, we simply say, God, I know you're able But if not, that's okay. Because I know that you always do what is right. And I trust you with all my heart. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. In just a moment, we'll stand together.